Hey there, it's Debbie. Today's episode is a special re-release of a favorite conversation from the archives. Unless you're a longtime listener of the show, there's a good chance you haven't heard this one before. And even if you have, you just might get something completely different from it this time around. So I think the thing that might be helpful is if instead of thinking about the internet like it's a thing, think about it like it's a place. And so just like you wouldn't let your four-year-old walk up to the neighborhood park by themselves, why would you let your four-year-old be on the internet by themselves? Because there's so many places you can go that are not safe. You know, you probably wouldn't put your 14-year-old on the bus by himself to head off to New York City to spend the day downtown. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, but you would have a whole lot of stuff going on beforehand and to prepare them for that trek out into the world because remember it was called once upon a time we called this thing the world wide web pay attention to that world so if you can just reframe and think about oh the internet's a place so how do i want how can i help my kid be safe in this when he goes or she goes out in this place Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today I'm bringing back to the podcast sexuality educator and parenting expert, Amy Lang, for a follow-up conversation about something we all have to think about and address at some point in our child's life, but Many of us don't have the language or really any idea about how to even broach the subject with their child. Yes, folks, I'm talking about pornography. Amy is passionate about the fact that at its core, sex education is a health and safety issue for our kids. And that's why I wanted to bring her back on the show as I kept stumbling upon article after article about the fact that all kids will be exposed to pornography at some point in their childhood and that it's critical they have the information and context they need so they'll know what to do if they see it and understand why it can be harmful to them. And if you haven't heard my first conversation with Amy about sex ed and differently wired kids, I encourage you to listen to that now. You'll find a link for that at the show notes page. And before I get to the episode, I wanted to give a shout out to a few new supporters of the podcast, Whitney Adams and Kara McLean. Thank you so much for helping me cover the production costs for this show, as well as enabling me to offer transcripts for every single episode. If you want to join Whitney and Kara in helping me, please consider supporting my Patreon campaign. Patreon is an online platform that allows people to make a small monthly contribution, as little as $2 a month, to support the work of an artist or a musician, or in my case, a podcaster. It's super easy to sign up. Just visit patreon.com slash tiltparenting, and you can also find a link on the Tilt Parenting website. And now, here is my conversation with Amy. Hey, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to talk about porn. <sighs> yes. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm I got to start. <laughs> I have to start with a deep breath already. Okay. Um, and listeners, just to know, this is Amy's second time on the podcast, and I'll make sure that her first episode is in the show notes. You should definitely go back and listen to that. It's a general conversation about kids and sex. But I thought this was an important topic to bring because as uncomfortable as it may be for some of us to talk about or hear about, it is a reality of our lives. And there's no better person than Amy, than you, to be talking about this. So thank you so much. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And I'm happy to talk about it. And it's hard. 
Yes, it is. But you you are gifted in this area and talking about these concepts with us. So before we get into speaking specifically about porn, could you just introduce us kind of to your overall philosophy about kids and sex, just as a way to frame our conversation? I know you have a really strong point of view regarding, you know, how to talk to kids about sex. So could you tell us about that? Sure. So my belief is that every child has the right to grow up to be a whole, healthy and happy adult. And that sexuality is a huge part of being human. And that the more kids know about sexuality and dating and relationships, the better they do. I think it's a hugely overlooked part of child development and really of human development. And so, uh, you know, that's basically my mission is to help every kid grow up to be a whole healthy, happy adult. And I see sexuality as a really positive and fun part of life and that our kids deserve to understand how this stuff works because it's with us from the beginning. And, you know, most of us as parents had really crappy examples of how to talk with kids about this. And so my belief is that early is better get the talk started by five. And I know some people are little heads are exploding. Um, but the sooner we start the conversations with our kids, the better off they are, the more confident they are, the better decisions they make. And there's tons and tons of research that show that kids who are informed and educated about sexuality are safer, they make better decisions, they're more likely to use birth control. Uh, in some circumstances, are actually they actually tend to wait a little bit longer. Um, but the big deal for me is that when they do decide to have sex for the first time, if they're sex educated and relationship educated, they, you know, they are smart about it. They're smart about it. And we have enough data and enough studies and enough information now to know that this is vitally important and that sex education works. So that's kind of my deal. And my super core belief is that parents are the best sex educators for their kids. And this doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be really all that intimidating. And it can be really fun and frankly, pretty dang funny. Yeah, again, listeners, if you haven't heard Amy's first conversation, definitely go back and listen to that because she shares a lot of strategies on how to have that conversation, as well as some of her favorite resources that can help guide you in those which I have bought all of them. So definitely check that out. But today we wanted to talk specifically about porn. And I wanted to as a way to get into that, I'm just curious how you have seen porn become a bigger and bigger part of the conversations you're having to have, you know, you've been doing this work for many, many years before internet porn was so accessible. So what have you seen happening with relation to kids and porn over the years? I think it's really interesting because I do have a long look back. I started my company birds and bees and kids in 20 in 2005. And so when I started birds and bees and kids, when I spoke with parents or did workshops or held, had talks, parents would very rarely ask about pornography. In fact, I would say that it was, it rarely even came up. Um, sometimes I would bring it up and, uh, you know, as my, as time progressed, I started teaching a class with a colleague called poison porn, your boys in porn. And so that would be fairly well attended. But, you know, in the last four or five years, every single time I teach, no matter who I'm teaching, I taught a group of preschool parents last night, somebody always asked me what about porn? And so what's happened is that because of the access kids have to the interwebs, because parents are not willing to believe that their child may actually Google 
penis or big boobs or whatever, that they aren't, they aren't willing to put in parental controls or monitoring software because they are in this sort of uh, fantasy island of, you know, not my kid. And the reality is that uh, this is happening all the time. Every child is going to see pornography at some point. They cannot escape childhood without seeing pornography. And what I've noticed is that it is now a topic that comes up every time I teach and everybody's worried about it and everybody wants help with it. And most parents are afraid to talk about it because they don't want to plant a seed in their kid's head like, hey, you can go see sex on the internet or they don't want to ruin their children's innocence. There's lots of, we have lots of reasons, parents have lots of reasons to avoid the topic, but avoiding the topic is not helping our kids. Yeah, that is one of the questions I wanted to ask later on. But since you brought it up, so, you know, that idea, and I'm sure many listeners are, this is crossing their mind, you know, if a child isn't aware of it at all. I imagine it, it, there's a part of, I don't know if it's losing innocence or like not wanting to actually even raise the conversation because then that might spark their curiosity. What do you say about that? Well, yeah, it might spark their curiosity, but what we know is that kids who are sex educated in general, who know how babies are made and that sex is super fun and it's not for kids and it's for later in life and you know, looking at sexual images and talking about sex and doing sex, you know, if they have this message in their families that, like, you know, this isn't something for kids, their curiosity is lessened. Um, if you can point kids to, if you can point your kids to, to books, and there are some safe websites now, um, there's a really wonderful organization called Amaze and a website called amaze.org that has kids safe videos about sex and puberty and relationships. And it's wonderful. Like if kids have a safe resource and they know to go look here for their sex information, they're going to be more likely to do that. Their curiosity is lessened. So it's kind of the same conversation. I feel like I used to have like years ago, like, Hey, you got to talk to your kids about sex. And people are like, no, if I tell my kid the penis goes in the vagina, they're going to try it. And now people think, no, if I tell my kid about porn, they're going to go look at it. And you know what? Maybe, but probably not. And so we need to kind of get over ourselves. And most of the problem with talking to kids about sex and porn has nothing to do with our kids. It's all about us. It's our reluctance, our embarrassment, our baggage that gets in the way of really thinking clearly about these particular issues. So sure, if you tell a child about porn, yeah, they might go look at it. But if you're super clear about this could really be damaging and scary and it can hurt your brain and your heart and it's definitely not for kids. And if you want to learn about this stuff, go over here, they're going to do better. And if you don't have parental controls in place, if you are not really careful with monitoring and, and the time your kids spend online, and kids are accessing pornography at your house, that is not your child's fault. Sorry, I'm sad. I feel like I'm sounding really judgy, but I just find this phenomenally aggravating <laughs> because it's a real risk to our kids. It messes them up. Well, that's what I wanted to hear more from you. You know, I was doing a little research before this conversation about what science says about the effects of pornography exposure on kids. What can you share with us about the actual impact for kids who, especially if they're not prepared for what they're about to see? Well, I'll just give you an example. So I have a couple that called me and uh, came in for consultation because their eight-year-old daughter had Googled horses and ended up looking at porn. And I actually 
uh, Googled horses myself after they left <laughs> to see how does one go from horses, which is super innocent, to porn. And she ended up through one thing and another. She ended up looking at porn and she ended up looking at porn for a really long time, like, like six or seven hours. These parents had parental controls in place. These parents were talking to her about sex and what she saw because of the parental controls wasn't super explicit, but she saw it and it was, she, they, they were pretty funny. They're like, yeah, it was like bad seventies porn. So, which in some ways is like better cause it's more like real sex than, you know, the, the porn that's really current. Um, so when a child's exposed to something like that, it can be very, uh, tantalizing and titillating. And so it's very stimulating to them, especially if they're right before puberty or in puberty. So they feel sexually stimulated which is fine if it's something that's age appropriate. But because pornography is really uh, directed at adults, it, because it is adult sex and adult sexuality, it isn't real sex, it's, it's, it's theater sex. And when kids see this, it teaches them, A, that it's stimulating, and so they can become dependent upon that stimulation. Uh, it makes them think that sex starts in the middle like there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens before you actually do it with a real human being. You're not just, you know, banging away and sticking parts and holes. So what can happen for them is that they be can become obsessed with it in the say it's sort of like a scab pick. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. it's sure they, they just want to scratch that itch, you know? And so what we see happening with some kids, not every kid, not every kid is wired this way. Uh, some kids get very, very hooked into it and they, it becomes part of their regular life and their regular routine. And it can be damaging to them because the bottom line is they're learning about sexuality in this completely not okay or safe way. And it can be very hard to be sexually stimulated by normal quote, that's air quotes, uh, things. Uh, one of my colleagues, Joe Langford works with boys who sexually offend and he works with tons and tons of boys and some girls who are using pornography inappropriately and they have to unlearn how to masturbate because they don't know how to masturbate without seeing something really hyper stimulating. And so it's really a, unnatural way if that makes any sense to learn about yourself and your own sexual interests and passions because the um, data is filled in in a way that isn't typical does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah absolutely we'll be right back after this quick break this year I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off and as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. 
There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites, turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60tilt at greenchef.com slash 60tilt. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. My question, and I'm imagining some listeners are wondering the same thing. What what do you do then? You know, I'm curious with this girl that you mentioned, but kind of in general, if you find out that your child you know, maybe your child was at a friend's house or whatever happened, they stumbled upon it, they saw it and they're, they tell you about it, or you discover they saw it and they're traumatized or or whatever, like, what do you do at that point? How do you address it once they have seen it? And they weren't prepared for it? Yeah, so once they're exposed, uh, first of all, if you have not prepared your child for seeing this, then you need to apologize to them and say, I am so sorry that happened to you. I don't know what we were thinking. We should have told you that this is a thing and that you might see it and how to handle it. So that's the very first thing you do is that if you haven't talked about it and you haven't taught your kids about how to handle it, if they see it, that's on you. It's not on your child. So that's the first thing. And then I'm just going to back up the truck a little bit further. Uh, If your child sees porn and you find out or they've been looking at it, Be very, very careful about punishing them, shaming them, yelling at them, flipping out, uh, because that will teach your child basically that there's something wrong with them and for their natural curiosity and that uh, there's also something wrong with you, which is that you cannot handle this kind of sexual stuff. And it is a tall order. (laughs) Trust me when I tell you, it is a tall order not to freak out if you discover your 12 year old has been rocking, you know, ladies bonking ladies.com. So it's a tall order. And as we know, parenting is work. And so this is going to require a little parenting work. So 
apologize, be really careful not to freak out. If you do freak out, take a step back and apologize for freaking out and just say, I was really surprised to see that you were looking at this. I didn't think that we were there yet. And obviously here we are. I'm sorry we didn't talk about this sooner. And then you're going to need to do some investigation. If it's uh, if they're looking at their own device or a family device, you need to look back at the history and see how long and how much and what they're looking at. And it can be pretty shocking. And if you have not looked at pornography online uh, and you feel like you have the stomach for it, I would recommend that you just take a peek. I look about every two years just to see what's going on so you can get a sense of what they're seeing. The couple that I mentioned there, uh, the husband looked at the porn, the wife did not. And he was like, yeah, it's good that you don't, you mom don't have this in your head. So where you have to know what they've been seeing. And if they've been looking at it for a while, uh, they may need some help or support. Uh, being exposed to pornography can be sexually abusive uh, because it can be very traumatizing. It can be very, very graphic. It can be very confusing, especially the younger child is. But a couple of exposures, like they're at their friend's house or they're on the school bus, this happens all the time, and a kid says, hey, dude, check this out, and your child's like, blah, no thanks. You know, and then tells you later, so-and-so showed me porn on the school bus, or I saw this naked pictures, or people having, doing naked things together, you know, depending on the age of your child. That's in a kind of a different situation. So it uh, depends on exposure, where they were exposed, how they were exposed, what they were exposed to. Well, I really appreciate you talking about the, you know, being really careful about how you respond. That's something, you know, I thought about, you know, just imagining what that response would be, and then also had read that, a lot of times, especially moms might, yeah, punish their kids or lay on the guilt. And I could just see how that would could happen before you knew it. Because of our own horror, or whatever it triggers in us, right, it comes mm-hmm. up and, um, and how that could really ha- have negative long term consequences for our kids. Yeah, I mean, it really can. Um, I mean, it's very surprising. And it's shocking. And really, at the core of it, we're afraid right? We're afraid for our child. We're afraid that they've been damaged. We're afraid that they're going to grow up and be a whatever the hell that horrible gymnast doctor guy's name is. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're afraid that this means something about our child and their sexuality. We're afraid that it, I mean, I think that's kind of the bottom line. And so when we're, you know, it's fight or flight, right? So, oh my God, I'm afraid. And then we're going to lash out. And so it's very hard sometimes to control that, but there is an antidote which is actually really easy, which is to say to your kids today, after you listen to this, say to your kids, hey, do you know what porn is? Have you ever heard that word? And see what they say. And if your kids are over the age of nine, they're probably going to say, yeah, I've heard that word. Mm -hmm. And both boys and girls, right? Everybody is exposed. Everybody is exposed. Yeah, I I had read that People believe the average age of adolescent exposure is 11 years old. Does that jive with what you've read and seen? No, it's younger. It's like nine or 10. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, you really have to just assume they're going to see it. They're going to see it before anyone's ready to handle it, including you. And just like with the sex talks, you got to have the sex talks, you know, by five. You got to have the porn talk. Uh, You can have the porn talk as young as five, especially if you let your children on the internet and you have not locked down with parental controls and monitoring software. Do I need to say that again? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> got that message? Yeah. Uh, so, um, so if your child is on a tablet or on your phone or whatever, you need to tell them, hey, sometimes there are pictures and videos of naked people on the internet. So if you're talking to your seven-year-old, there are naked people on the internet. It is not okay or safe for kids to look at this. It can be very scary and confusing. So the rule is, if you see something like this, turn it off. Hand me back the tablet or the phone. You will not be in trouble. You need to be very, very clear about that. You won't be in trouble. Sometimes this happens. There's scary, yucky stuff on the internet. And make that very clear to your children. And as they get older, you know, by the time they're 10 or so, 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 hey, porn. Know anybody that's seen it? And they'll say, yeah. And you can say you don't need to name names and it may be themselves. And you can just say, hey, so just to remind you that this is grown up stuff. It's not safe for kids. It can really mess you up. It can give you ideas about sex and relationships that are completely wrong and they can be really confusing. And so the rule in our family is, is that we don't look, we don't look at porn and same rules. Like if you see it, let me know. You won't be in trouble. If you're at a friend's house, if somebody shows you on the school bus, um, I need to know, uh, we might need to tell the other kids family to get them help and to make sure they're safe. And then as they get older, are the conversations more nuanced, more conversations about, you know, healthy sexual relationships and what it can do for, you know, do you kind of go into more detail on how this could be harmful to them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about like, you know, I have a 17 year old, you know, it's like we talk about how porn starts in the middle, like it is not real sex. It's going to give you a crazy idea about what men's bodies look like women's bodies look like what people like sexually, being sexual with someone is a process. You know, it doesn't start, you, you know, you start out with hand holding and maybe you end up in the land of, I don't know, furries or whatever, right? Like <laughs> maybe you end up at the very uh, sort of the outer edges of people's sexual practices. Um, you know, once your children are around 13 or so, you can take your gloves off and just talk about everything openly. It just benefits them. Mm-hmm. It might feel weird to you and uncomfortable. And you can just say that, like, I feel so weird talking about this because my parents never talked about it. I never thought I would have to talk to you about whatever. And, um, and then talk about it and talk about your values about it and help them understand that it is a part of life and people choose to look at it and they choose not to look at it. You know, my belief is that I am not an anti porn person per se. Uh, I am absolutely uh, anti porn for anybody whose brain is not moved right, right along in the development department. So, you know, under the age of 22, 23, they're very impressionable. Their brains aren't fully developed. And I would rather that my child not have his sexuality developed with pornography as a core part of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, this is so great. Um, I have a question for you. I was researching and found this article in the New York Times just when it was talking about how different families responded to or talked with their kids about porn. And one of the things that jumped out at me is there are a lot of parents who try to Rather than talk about, you know, a a no policy or that kind of thing, they talk about how to essentially be responsible consumers, like how to be discreet, how to erase browsing histories, you know, and then giving them those never share pictures, you know, like, basically protecting them more from a legal point of view, wondering what your thoughts are on that. So the families provide access to pornography to their children, Is that what you're saying? I don't know that they provide access, but they're assuming they're going to watch it. So they want them to be smart about it if they're going to watch it. So they give them 
porn watching skills, so to speak. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, again, I think video pornography is a real problem for children and for young folk. I think still photographs are fine. I'm a fan of Playboy magazine. I never thought I'd say that. But (laughs) magazines still exist. They're a safe place for kids to get their rocks off. They're static. When you look at a static photograph, you have to engage your imagination. You know, so I wouldn't necessarily tell my kiddo, like, if you're gonna look at porn, look at it incognito. And frankly, they already know that. They look at everything incognito anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, especially teenagers, like they're so much smarter about all this than we are. Like, you know, I feel like it's, it's like, why bother? It's not entirely true. (laughs) But um, they are really smart about it already. Um, I personally would not give my son permission to look at online pornography, video pornography, but we do have a subscription to Playboy magazine. I highly recommend, I have a list on my blog. There's a, I had a guest blogger give me a list of racy books for teenagers. So lots of sex and stuff in books. I mean, that was one of the ways that, you know, I remember getting totally turned on reading romance novels and Daniel Steele. And that's a safe way. That's a safe place. Right, right, right. Yes, I remember those books that were being passed around and, you know, from person to person in middle school and high school. Right. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. I feel like you touched on this, but I do want to say it again, just because I know for me, this is a conversation I really wanted to have with you. And I was also like, oh, I can't believe I have to have this conversation, especially for those of us with kids who are much younger and for listeners who have kids who might be in preschool, you know, that realization that we have to deal with this full stop, like it's not something we can just close our eyes to. That's kind of a it's a tough moment, right? When a parent realizes, gosh, the world our kids are growing up in is so different than the one we grew up in. I'm just, what would you say to those parents who are kind of having a freak out right now that this is something they'll have to deal with? Well, take a deep breath. Uh, The younger your kids are, the more time you have to have conversations about this. Uh, Remember that sex educating your children is preventative. It's protective. So sometimes that's an easier place to start. Uh, If you have to start with pornography, because your child's already been exposed again, you know, back to that apologizing and just copying to your discomfort, like kids appreciate it when we say I am not a super fan of having this conversation, but we need to. It's, you know, our children did not ask to be here. They didn't. And we have a responsibility to them to help them be as healthy and safe as they possibly can be. And there's a ton of great stuff on the internet and it's brought us some really amazing opportunities like what we're doing right now, right? You and I chatting and on different sides of the planet. Um, But there's also this stuff that is not safe for them. And so I think the thing that might be helpful is if instead of thinking about the internet, like it's a thing, think about it like it's a place. And so just like you wouldn't let your four-year-old walk up to the neighborhood park by themselves Why would you let your four-year-old be on the internet by themselves? Because there's so many places you can go that are not safe. You know, you probably wouldn't put your 14-year-old on the bus by himself to head off to New York City to spend the day downtown. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, but you would have a whole lot of stuff going on beforehand and to prepare them for that trek out into the world. Because remember, it was called, once upon a time, we called this thing the World Wide Web pay attention to that world. So if you can just reframe and think about, oh, the internet's a place. So how do I want, how can I help my kid be safe in this when he goes or she goes out in this place? Hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for that. And, and also the reminder that this really is just as the our sex ed conversation was this is this is a safety issue. And that's something I don't think we can hear enough. Yeah, it, it really is. And if you're thinking, oh, but my child would never, you know, I think, you know, I had uh, several years ago, I had a mom reach out to me and she was freaking out. And, um, and she said that she was a, it was a lesbian couple and they have a six-year-old boy. And apparently one day the six-year-old was talking to his other mom and they were talking about how his body was going to grow and change and he was going to get taller and his shoulders were going to get broader and he was going to get hair in his armpits and on his chest and around his penis and everything was going to get bigger, his feet, his hands, and even his penis. It's going to get bigger. And so that sweet little guy trotted downstairs because, you know, he had two moms and maybe he hadn't seen anybody else's penis, but he's like, huh, hopped on the family computer and Googled big penis. It's completely innocent, right? Completely innocent. And they've never, ever imagined that he would do something like that. But he could spell. He was curious. And when you're wondering about something, what do you do? 
you consult the Oracle, you, you Google it. And so he Googled big penis and he saw some mighty big penises. And, you know, he wasn't particularly traumatized, but I, you know, I think the mom was more traumatized than he was. Um, I don't recommend Googling big penis, by the way. Um, it's pretty surprising um, to say the least. You cannot unsee things. So if we think about it like a place, if we think about it, like it's our responsibility to make sure children know that, and we put all the structures in place that we do for them when they go out, you know, before they go out and about in the world, they're going to do better. We're going to do better. We're going to feel better. So just assume your kid's going to see it. They're going to see it before you're ready for them to see it and do every flipping thing you can to make sure it doesn't happen under your watch and assume that nobody else assume all the other parents are not taking care of this in this way. Okay. Just assume it. And that way, when kids are at your house, you know things are locked down and safe or as safe as they can possibly be. And also, you can prepare your child when they're at somebody else's house and hanging out and everybody's, you know, online and doing whatever, that your child has some skills around uh, around how to handle it if they see it. Yeah. And on that topic, uh, there is a really great book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And there's Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior. And it's all about how what kids can do when they're uh, when they're exposed to pornography, they see it. And I really, really like their message. Um, they're very pragmatic. It's really approachable, readable, uh, really good information. It's part of an organization called Protect Young Minds. I don't fully agree with their philosophies for a variety of reasons, but their books are great. And it's the only thing we've got right now that's really doing a pretty dang good job at helping parents and kids understand how to handle this. Great. Okay, well, um, listeners, I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And before we go, Amy, can you tell us how people can connect with you and what resources you have available on your website and, and anywhere else online? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. So my website is birdsandbeesandkids.com. I have an online bookstore. I have a free video you can watch about talking to kids about sex. I have an online course called the Birds and Bees with Ease that you can access there that will help you dig deeply into how to have uh, these conversations with your kiddos. Um, one of my big beliefs is that you've got to be clear about your own values about sex, love, and relationships, and that that is more than half the battles in terms of having these conversations. Uh, I'm pretty active on Facebook. It's Birds, Bees, Kids. Um, and then I have a newsletter that folks can sign up for, and I send out tips and tricks for talking to kids about twice a month. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, um, poke around, see what works. You can always email me directly. Uh, if you have questions, I'm pretty good at responding. And, you know, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to go it alone. You know, there's lots of help out there. I mean, I'm not the only person doing this, but I've been doing it pretty much the longest. And, you know, I believe that sex is a super fun, amazing, important part of life. And I want my kiddo to experience his sexuality as something that is positive and not negative or shameful. So if that resonates with you, or if you're recovering from one of those shame filled uh, experiences yourself, I uh, might find some joy in my universe. Yeah, I really I just appreciate your perspective so much. And you know, I heard you speak many, many years ago and was pretty blown away. And I'm I'm grateful that you're doing this work and, and grateful that you stopped by to share this with us today. It's such an important topic. So thank you, Amy, for once again, um, being our sex ed consultant for Tilt Parenting and stopping by. Yeah, no sweat. My total pleasure. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including links to Amy's website and all the other resources we discussed, 
visit tiltparenting.com slash session 102. And a quick reminder that if you want to take a sneak peek at my upcoming book, Differently Wired, Raising an Exceptional Child in a Conventional World, you can now download the first chapter and table of contents on my website. Just go to tiltparenting.com slash differently wired and sign up and you'll get it right away. Lastly, this is my weekly reminder to head over to iTunes and leave a rating or review or both if you haven't done so already. There are a lot of parenting podcasts out there and ratings and reviews help keep our podcast highly visible, which in turn makes it easier for me to land those big guests. Thank you so much. And thanks again for listening. For more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.